Are you listening? Damn. All right, everybody. Welcome into the Inside the Arch podcast, your podcast exclusively about the Utah Jazz. And we're your hosts. I'm Spencer Rodak. I'm Tyson Moore. And today we're going to be talking about, obviously, the Utah Jazz. Um, they just played their first preseason game. So we're going to dive into that just a little bit. And we're going to see, um, go over last season and see some of the things that were positive, but also some of the things that um, were negative and what they need to improve on. Um, we're also going to do um, a player comparison uh, between our new point guard, uh, Mike Conley, and our outgoing Ricky Rubio. And then we're also going to run down our predictions for the season in the Western Conference and where we expect the Jazz to go. Mm-hmm. And starting with uh, starting off with the win over Adelaide, I mean, we won by 52. Right, it's Adelaide. Adelaide. Does anyone know who that is? No. Yeah. Did it's, I know who that was? It's an Australian team. No. Yeah, a team from Australia. It's the NBL. It's a preseason game. I mean, obviously, like, uh, Mitchell didn't play. Gobert didn't play. Exum didn't play. He's still rehabbing. Um, Conley also didn't play. So, you know, there are some things to take away from it, but you could also say it's absolutely meaningless, and I wouldn't really argue with you. Yeah. Um, Sometimes you hope it's absolutely meaningless um, just because there's some bad things, but let's look at the bright side of things. I mean, we shot well from the field. We shot almost 55%. Um, and we won the rebound battle by a lot. You know, we, we, we got 68 rebounds to Adelaide's 43. 68 rebounds is a lot of rebounds. I don't care who you're playing. That is a lot of rebounds. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's part of the mentality of the jazz. Just go up and get it. Um, and we also got 36 assists, which is great. Lots of sharing the ball. Obviously a lot of the guys that were playing are end of the bench guys, third stringers, guys that got invites to training camp and are fighting for you know, the last or second to last roster spots. But it's good to see that they're still sharing the ball out there and not trying to, you know, impress with um, big individual performances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's got a lot to do with Quinn Snyder. But, um, I mean, like, the guys looked well in that aspect. Some bad things. We only shot 32% from three-point um, three range, which was a big problem last year the all of last year that was an issue yeah it seemed like it was and we looked at the stats and we were middle of the league in three-point percentage but i'll tell you watching the jazz it sure didn't feel like it watching yeah. jay crowder chuck up those threes every time he touched the basketball did not feel like we shot middle of the league in three-pointers mm-hmm. those threes were poorly timed yes they were poorly executed um and we didn't find any hope for that um, no, for didn't. the improvement no in the game um and we only shot 60 percent from free throw line we went nine for 15 we'll talk about that a little later in the podcast dive into that just a tad but 60 percent in an nba basketball game is not good oh yeah especially and like we scored 133 points and we went to the line 15 times yeah and that's that's one of those things that's not necessarily concerning because it is a preseason game so 15 free throws i'm sure the refs aren't giving as many whistles Mm -hmm. and calling as many fouls in a preseason game against the team that they know that the Jazz are going to roll over, but 15 free throws only making nine is not a good percentage. No. And then what might be the most problematic of all, 16 turnovers. Yeah, um, we'll touch on that a little bit later as well, but 16 turnovers is a lot. Um, I do understand like that you got to shake off the rust, though. I mean, these guys haven't mm-hmm. played since May. It was a rough playoff exit. You know, It was a long off season. Obviously, a couple of these guys played in the FIBA World Cup and represented their countries. So there is going to be some rust and some 
getting back into the system for the Jazz, especially since some of those guys played internationally during the summer. Right, and you can say whatever you want about chemistry and and flow and dynamics, but at the same time, 16 turnovers is just a glaring amount. That's that's just a whole lack of understanding how to play basketball, pretty much. I mean, obviously these guys are amazing basketball players, and they all um, are very good, but 16 turnovers is just being careless with the basketball. That's another thing you just mentioned, too, that I liked, uh, chemistry. There's a lot of new roster additions. Um, we lost a lot of guys, you know. We traded Derek Favors uh, to New Orleans. Obviously, the trade that brought Mike Conley sent Grayson Allen, Kyle Korver, and Jay Crowder to Memphis. Obviously, Korver got waived. Now he's chasing a ring with Milwaukee. Good luck, Korver. We love you. Yeah, go Korver. Um, obviously, Tabo is out to Houston, and... Um, Epe Udo, one of our backup centers, is off to China. And then, obviously, Ricky Rubio signed the big contract with Phoenix. So they're, And a lot of these guys have been on the team for a few years. Obviously, Favors was like the longest-tenured jazz man. And other than really Grayson Allen, um, and we also lost Howell Neto, who is our backup point guard for a lot of last year because of the Exum injury. And a lot of these guys have been on the team for three, four seasons, with the exception of, you know, Korver and really just Korver. Yeah, Corver and Allen just... So that team had good chemistry, and obviously it's going to be different. And it's going to be different anyways because a lot of these training camp guys, it's you got to build chemistry with guys that probably aren't even going to make the team. Um, yeah, and it, it, it's just not going to happen. But still, 16 turnovers is a lot. 16 turnovers isn't great. Yeah. Um, there were a couple good individual performances, I thought. Um, New Jazz signing Boyan Bogdanovich, very exciting signing for the Jazz. Maybe he goes down as one of the best free agent signings ever for the Jazz, up there with Carlos Boozer and Mehmet Okur, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, he had 10 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists. He played 20 minutes. Which is a lot more than I thought he was going to play. Yeah, there was a couple guys that played a lot more than I thought, uh, Royce O'Neal being one of them, mm-hmm. and Joe Ingles as well. But and then Tony Bradley, um, he's been in the G League a lot in the last couple of years um, with the Stars, and he's developed a lot. Um, he hasn't had a lot of NBA playing time, and what has been has been garbage time. Um, but he's clearly showing some development. He had 18 points, 10 rebounds yesterday yeah, in, in only 19 minutes. In 19 minutes. I think he played great. Yeah. So those I mean, are some of the positives and negatives that you know you can take away from that. and. You know, take some of those with a grain of salt. It's a preseason game against an Australian team. So, right. so now we're going to shift gears a little bit. We're going to look back at all of last year. Like, just how did we end up last year? Um, what are we coming into? Obviously, the Jazz won 50 games. Uh, fifth seed, third year in a row. Second time in three years we've won 50. And then as well as the third straight postseason appearance. Mm-hmm. And we had some really positive performances. Obviously, to, to win 50 games in the West is no small thing. And a lot of that had to do with our defense. We finished up second in defensive rating. We finished third in blocks. And obviously that has a lot to do with Rudy Gobert. A lot of it has to do with Rudy winning back-to-back defensive player of the years. And the stifle tower. I'm not complaining. Oh. We have the best defender in the league, which is great. So, uh, and, and he is really just a, a game changer for the Jazz. Um, and he's going to continue to be. He is, the, he is one of the main pieces of everything that the Jazz do. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I could see him winning five defensive player of the year, six by the time his career is over. If you really think about it, he could win a lot of those. But um, Mm -hmm. so, so yeah, some of the good stuff, defensive rating blocks. Um, We were fifth in defensive rebounding. Obviously a lot of that is Rudy. A lot of that is Derek Favors, who we did lose. 
Um, but we were 18th in offensive rebounding, so bottom half of the league. Yeah, and then like these weaknesses kind of second kind of chance out, opportunities, yeah. right? Yeah. If you're 18th in offensive rebounding, your second chance opportunities are a lot lower than someone who's even 12th or 8th in offensive mm-hmm. rebounding. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that we'd be so high in defensive rebounding and just be below average in in offensive rebounding. Um, hopefully, we've got some roster improvements that'll that'll do do some good for us. Right. And the new the Jazz are going to have to run a little bit of a different system to accommodate for the new signings, but it should improve. Well, and Quinn Snyder has a great system. Basically, mm-hmm. anybody he brings in, he can fit into it. So I don't think yeah. that'll be a problem. Shouldn't just be maybe a little bit of time for chemistry, but yeah. Something that was really, really bad last year, and I mean really bad, we had 15.1 turnovers per game. And like we said, we had 16 in the preseason game, and we'd be touching on it. We're touching on it now. Yeah, this is this is a glaring issue for the Jazz. I mean, we were 27th in the league in turnovers per game. Just think about how many opportunities you're giving away by turning the ball over 15 times. That's 15 extra possessions to a team. It's so hard to win a possession battle, to win a game, Um when you give away so many opportunities. And obviously some of those games like, you know, maybe a Memphis. Actually, I take that back. We had issues with Memphis last year. Mm-hmm. Maybe a team like Charlotte, it's not going to hurt as much Yeah, turning the ball over 15 times. But a team like Golden State, you turn the ball over 15 times, you're out of the game. Mm-hmm. If you're giving, or like the Rockets, or even Portland knows how to capitalize well off of, off of turnovers. I mean, the NBA is, is structured now to where every possession could easily end up in three points. Yeah, um, absolutely. And you could just lose all of those. You, you're just digging yourself into a big hole. And I felt like that was kind of a problem last year in the Houston series in the first round. Oh, yeah, I, I feel was... like we turned the ball over a lot. And I'd have to go back and look at the stats to know for sure, but that just wasn't a good series. Mm-hmm. But Houston has proved to not be a great matchup for us. No. Um, and we're going to have to see how that goes this year now that Houston's added Westbrook, but that's a whole other problem. Um. Yeah, talking about f- giving up opportunities, um, our free throw percentage was abysmal. Uh, we shot 73.6%, um, which is 26th in the league. So you think about 15 turnovers a game and less than 74% from the free throw line, we are leaving a lot of points on the floor. Oh, yeah, and the Jazz, like, you can see this. was just looking at any box score from the Jazz. You know, we usually hung around 90 points a game, um, 100 we don't score as much as, let's say, the Rockets or No, we don't Golden score State. probably as much as an average team. We run a little bit of a slower pace. We don't shoot mm-hmm. as many threes as Houston or a Golden State. But those turnovers and free throws, that's a lot of missed opportunities mm-hmm. and a lot of missed points. We could be easily running more efficiently if we just would cut down some of those turnovers and improve our free And they're throws. NBA players. They have to be able to make free throws. Oh, yeah. And we it's don't even so have any. It's so frustrating. Like, we'll, we'll give an excuse to Rudy, okay? Yeah. But I'm about can't. done giving him excuses. Okay, maybe not an excuse, but we'll, we'll understand it. But the rest of the team, I mean, we're not talking about just Rudy. We're talking about the entire team shooting bad. Yeah, it really wasn't great. But and, something yeah. to improve on. Um, so like we said, we're going to talk about some improvements. Um, Three-point shooting, like we said, wasn't great. Um, but we, bought, we got some more shooters, not bought. Um, we signed some more shooters. Um, obviously, we lost Derek. We lost Jay. Um, they were big parts of our bench unit for the most part last year and even starting in occasions. Um, but Jay shot 33% from three, and Favors has no three-point shot whatsoever. He's no still range. playing in, you know, 1996. 
Um, mm-hmm. So 22%. I mean, he didn't hardly have any attempts, but still 22%. It means you're no threat at all. And so teams, yeah. you can't stretch the floor because they know, oh, Derek Favors can't shoot a three, let alone mm-hmm. make it. And if you can't stretch the floor, you can't get the ball into Rudy as easily. And Mitchell has harder times creating off the dribble. Yeah. So a lot of time Derek played uh, the four position, the power forward, or sometimes the five, and Jay was a three or a four usually. Um, Boyan Bogdanovich can play the three or the four. He slides in, replaces them. Probably a lot of starts for Boyan, I would think, in mm-hmm. the rotation. He shoots 43%. Oh, yeah. We're going to see him playing a lot of minutes. And this wasn't a 43%. It was like, oh, I'm coming off the bench for 10 minutes, and I'm getting three shots up, and I made two out of three. No, he, especially after Victor Oladipo got hurt in Indiana, the guy was racking up shots. Oh, yeah, he was a key part of the team in Indiana. Not just, like Spencer said, it's not just like a guy coming off the bench. Like, he was shooting 43%. Starting. Starting. And playing big minutes. Yeah. And so that's just just the idea that other teams are going to see that in a scouting report. They're going to know, okay, if he floats up to the three-point line, we can't just leave him there. If Favors or Crowder goes out to the free throw line or three point line, you can kind of leave them. But now that Bojan's there, I mean, we just have that much more of the a chance. The spacing to should space. be a lot better, especially with what lineups that Quinn decides to use. Mm-hmm. And you're going to throw Conley into the mix, and we'll get more on that later. But yeah, um, we did lose Corver in our three point shooting, which I don't think will make much of a difference. He is old, he isn't playing a lot of minutes off the bench, and he did only play half the season with us. I do love Kyle Korver. I'm a huge Kyle Korver fan, and I actually wish they would have kept him, but it's not a big deal to lose Kyle Korver, I don't think, for shooting purposes, really. NBD, guys. Kyle Korver, just such an amazing guy. Wow, what an amazing guy. But um, one of the things we have to improve on, and I think we will, offensive rebounding. Mm. Yep. It surprised me really last year that we were so low in offensive rebounding. Because when you think about it, it feels like every shot that Rudy Gobert takes is a put back off of an offensive rebound. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of those were dunks and alley-oops. Yeah, I mean, you'd, like you said, you'd think. You'd think it would be better. Um, but we were 18th. And one of the signings we made, uh, Ed Davis, came on, coming over from the Brooklyn Nets, helped them make the playoffs last year. Bit of a surprise. Um, he only played 18 minutes a game. He averaged 8.6 rebounds. Yeah, almost you know, no big deal. Yeah, almost nine nine rebounds a game off of eighteen minutes. Right. So that should improve both sides of the rebounding offensive mm-hmm. and defensive. But that will definitely, I believe, be a lot higher than eighteenth. Yeah, and look look for Ed Davis to make some serious um get some serious time on the court. I mean he could easily come in and And I'm sure he'll back up um Rudy a lot. Mm-hmm. He could back up Bojan, depending on maybe the lineup. Um, or the matchup that you're playing, you might slide both of them in, mm-hmm. play a double center, kind of like they did last year with uh, Derek Favors, just depending on what team you're matching yeah. up with. But. but if we need to go big on the glass, I mean, he was eight, 8.6 rebounds in 18 minutes is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, his per 36 would be like 17 rebounds a game. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying if he was on the floor for 36 minutes, he'd be getting that many rebounds, but that's his per 36 so yeah and i think all of this is amazing our three-point shooting should get better offensive rebounding should get better but the big improvement is that it's the it's the big signing obviously it's conley versus rubio we're letting rubio go and we're bringing in mike conley who just came off a career year yeah at 31 Mm -hmm. and we're getting him the last two years of his deal 
the salary is not too bad, especially compared to today's NBA. If you're only paying him for two years, or even if you use him, if he doesn't work out and you use him next year and you trade him at the trade deadline for something. And, you know, we lost uh, Crowder, who wasn't a great shooter. He was the energy guy, though. We will miss that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was a free agent at the end of this upcoming season, so 2019-2020. Um, and then, obviously, Corver and Grayson Allen. He didn't show a whole lot of potential last year. He is an mm-hmm. older rookie. Um, he did that, did have that really good game at the end of the year against the Clippers, but, I mean, that was basically a garbage-time game. Yeah, and that all of those, like, letting all those guys go just opens up a lot of salary cap for, for Conley. Yeah, so Conley versus Rubio. So we're not here to throw Rubio under the bus. He did a lot of good things balled uh, with out the Jazz. In the FIBA tournament. He got us to the postseason. Yeah, he just balled out in the FIBA World Cup, winning the gold medal and the MVP for Spain. So... And, I mean, he went and got his money. The Jazz weren't going to give it to him, so he's off to Phoenix and, you know. Good luck over there. Good luck finishing last place. Good luck. But, okay, so we're going to break down a couple of stats, head-to-head stats. Um, Minutes per game, first off, is one of the biggest things we have to look at because Conley was the guy in Memphis. Everything went through Conley. Rubio did not have to be the guy in Utah. Yeah, Conley, 33 and a half minutes per game. Rubio, 28. So that is about a, almost a six minutes per game jump. So obviously Conley's stats are going to be higher because he played six minutes, and then his usage rate will be higher. And then he's the guy in Memphis, so he's going to be taking the majority of the shots, doing a majority of the you know, the dribbling and the ball distribution just because Memphis, once they traded Marc Gasol, there was nothing left. Yeah, it was literally just Bear cabinet, yeah, they had nothing. And Conley was going a career high twenty one point one points per game, um, while Gobe, or while Rubio was just hitting twelve point seven points per game. And yeah, and we know too that Rubio has not been a good shooter in his career. He shoots thirty nine percent from the field for his career. Yeah, it's not great. That's bad. And he's never been able to fix it. Everyone thought, oh, when he came into the league, he'd be able to improve and his shooting would improve. And just hasn't. eight years, nine years, he has never been a shooter. Mm-hmm. And so it helps that we're going to get another offensive threat, you know. Um, and Conley went to the line. Like, he he averaged almost six free throw attempts a game, shooting 85%. And Rubio, yeah, Rubio was just over three. Now, they had the same free throw percentage, 85%. Um, but when it's six attempts to three and a half, it's a – I mean, the percentage means more because he's getting to the line more. And hopefully and then, Conley can help everybody improve their free throw percentage. Yeah, no kidding. You know, if he as a team to, we could break 80, that would be a miracle. He needs to teach everybody on the team how to shoot free throws, apparently, because I guess Ricky didn't. Yeah, Ricky did not. Um, and then another thing, we already talked about three-point shooting. Well, this is another reason it could improve. Um, Conley shot 36.4% on six three-points, on six three-point attempts. Um, and that, does, I mean, that stat doesn't jump out like anything crazy, but you have to remember, in Memphis, he was the only shooter. Like, he was the only guy that was taking attempts. Yeah, um, basically. And now he's walking into a system that's got Mitchell and will be involving um, Bojan Bodanovic. Like, they're going to be able to spread the floor a lot better for him. Yeah, he's not to mention opportunities. Not to mention too, when he was in Memphis, they had twenty-eight different players on their roster throughout the season. Yeah. The so only, I mean, guys are coming. Could rely on guys are coming in and out every month, and he's the only constant in the entire thing, and the only constant in the rotation. So, career year, yes, bad Memphis team. Higher usage rate, yes. Mm-hmm. Still an improvement over Rubio either way you look at it. Yeah, and Rubio only shot 31% on almost four attempts. Yeah, and then uh, Conley shoots 
4% higher overall from the field. And uh, he shoots six more times a game than Ricky. Mm-hmm. So I think when you're looking at it, you know, there's those times when Ricky Rubio would would pull up from mid-range and you're like, please, I hope that shot just somehow finds a way to elbow jumper. get into the basket. Like, please. And sometimes you would just, I mean, I don't know. I did it. I would yell at my TV and be like, Ricky, what are you doing? Yeah. Decision-making should go up a lot. I mean, Conley's a veteran. He's going to help Donovan Mitchell quite a bit because some of Mitchell's shot attempts were just really weird. Yeah. I mean, some of them weren't great, but it's the same thing. Donovan's the main option as a second-year mm-hmm. player. Yeah. So his efficiency will get better, and having somebody like Conley, I think, will help that for sure. For sure. I mean, we're we're looking at an opportunity for the Jazz to have a really, really good season. Um, yeah, so honestly, um, some of those roster additions I think are great. Obviously, Bojan, obviously uh, Mike Conley. Um, one of the other ones I really liked, oh, we already mentioned Ed Davis, Jeff Green, bringing in that veteran presence who can play the three or the four even the mm-hmm. two and mm-hmm. he averaged 13 points a game last year and shot 48 percent from the field um he can be there when we need him to be there right he's a great bench piece or slide him into the starting five if you know someone's injured or the matchup favors that mm-hmm. so i think that's a great uh pickup we also picked up emmanuel mudier so we'll have a consistent backup point guard this year Neto Hopefully. could be inconsistent at times, but the biggest thing was he was injured a lot, and then obviously Dante's been injured basically his whole career. Mm-hmm. And Maybe. so having a steady presence in the backcourt as a as a backup point guard, um, hopefully Prey Moutier does not have injury problems. Yeah. And, you know, we're also looking at, we've got um, Nigel Williams-Goss. Um, yeah, nice uh, draft and stash. Draft and stash overseas. Wonderful. Good job, Jazz. Um, yeah, he was, for those of you who don't remember, he was one of Gonzaga's best players a couple years ago. Um, Made a big splash. Yep, the Jazz drafted him late second round, and then he played overseas, and he improved a lot in the two years. And they they said, hey, you're looking good. Sign you to a contract. So he'll kind of fill that Howell Neto or Dante Exum role as probably third string. He won't probably get a lot of playing time. Um, But I imagine he can develop some things he did overseas. He can still play with the Stars and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then we did get two... uh, new two-way players as well. Jarrell Brantley and Justin Wright Foreman. Um, they were late second-round draft picks. Don't expect them to make too much of an impact. Two-way players can only spend a certain amount of time on an NBA roster during the season, so most of their um, minutes will come with the Salt Lake City Stars, but development is the big thing. That's what the G League is for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're, like The Jazz are doing a good job of getting good now and preparing for the future. I mean, obviously Mitchell is the Jazz's hope in the future. Yeah, as well as Rudy. As well as Rudy. Um, and so bringing in these veteran guys like Bodanovich and Green and Conley, like it's only going to help. And if um, Williams Goss keeps improving like he has been, I mean, who knows? Maybe he could be an effective, effective starter in a couple of years. But yeah. I mean, who knows? we don't really know, but that's what the Jazz are good at is player mm-hmm. development. So. And speaking about things that we don't know, yeah, we're going to jump into the predictions. Yeah, now that we've broken down a little bit of the preseason game that we saw, some of the good and bad stuff from last year and where they can improve, the Conleavers Rubio comparison and some of the roster additions and where they could fit in. Mm-hmm. It's time for your Western Conference predictions. We don't care about the East over here. No, we don't, because mm-hmm. is the East a joke? Absolutely. And almost as unpredictable. 
But yeah, actually, it might be more unpredictable yeah. just because you're like, hmm, anybody could do anything. You win through, 48 games, you might be the two seed. Yeah, seeds four through eight. Who's going to make the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Everyone stinks. Yep. So we don't care about the East. The Jazz in the East, no, we don't care. No. End of story. We'll rarely talk about the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. All right, Spencer, who you got as your number one? So my number one is uh, the Los Angeles Clippers. They signed uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I think they're pretty much everyone's consensus pick for the top seed and possibly winning the title. Yeah, how many games you got them winning? I got them winning 59. 59 games. 59 and 23. See, I'll one-up you on that one. I had the Clippers going number one, too. I had them winning 60 games. I just think the Clippers, Kawhi is just going to be like, I'm going to go crazy, and he's just going to bring all sorts of energy, and Paul George is just going to keep going. Well, Paul George, too, is going to be out till November yeah, with injury. But, yeah, I think they'll be fine. And it's the same thing, too, chemistry. They'll mm-hmm. have to build some of it, but they're yeah. still they're still going to be, I think, the best team in the West. Yeah. Um, number two, I got Houston. It hurt me to put that on there because I want them to finish like not making the playoffs. Um, yeah, right. But they replaced Russell Westbrook with Chris Paul, and granted Russell replaced Chris Paul. With oh, Russell excuse Westbrook. me, replaced Chris Paul with Russell Westbrook, and granted Russell Westbrook is pretty dang inefficient sometimes. But he's still better than Chris Paul. Yeah, and they have chemistry together. Yeah, they they have history. So I got them winning fifty six games. Yeah, I mean you got to look at Tabo. We sent the Jazz sent Tabo over to to the Rockets, and Tabo's already played with both Westbrook and Harden together. Yep, Tabo signed with Houston, so yeah. I also had the Rockets going second. I had them winning fifty four games. Um, Man, we got to change this up. We got the same first two teams. <laughs> yep. So who's your number third? All right, this number is three team. Gets, yeah, this is where we change. I got the Jazz winning fifty four games in third. Mm. See, I had, I had the Warriors winning 53 games in the third place. I think the Warriors are still going to be pretty good. But three for Even the without Jazz. Clay till probably March or April down the stretch. And, you oh, know, yeah, they'll, they'll be fine. Obviously, Cousins left, but he didn't play a whole lot last year. They mm-hmm. lost to Ramp. But I like the D'Angelo Russell signing. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting. I think they're going to be okay. So, Jazz third in the West. Mm-hmm. I feel like you just like the ring of that. That's why you put that there. You're just like, yeah. I feel like if the Jazz don't finish second or third and make like at least like game seven of the second round or the conference finals that this season is a bust probably we got a lot of potential this year we have a lot of potential this is the most excited i've been for a jazz season probably since 2008 yeah 2007 2008 the year they came off the conference finals appearance yep hasn't been the same since we don't have to worry about kobe killing us anymore but we do have to worry about curry and harden yep it's yeah. a different animal in today's league. All right. So you got Jazz third. I have Warriors third. I have Warriors fourth winning 51 games. I have the Jazz fourth winning 50 games. You really think they're only going to win 50? They won 50 last year. I know they, they won pretty 50 much last improved year. all of their roster spots. And so has everybody else. I think they're going to win 50. The Clippers improved. Houston improved. Golden State, it's they still did not Golden State, man. It's still Golden State. The Lakers improved. Denver's the same. Portland's the same. San Antonio's the same. Yeah, which is why they're all below the Jazz. Right. I say the Jazz. You only have them winning 54 games. You can toss up four games. 50 games, though? That means they're playing the Clippers in the second round. That ain't going to go well. (laughs) Yeah, that wouldn't go well. But But we'll see. Yeah, we'll see about that. All right. So who's your five? My five's the Lakers. Anthony Davis and LeBron. They don't have much of anything else other than those two. Rondo. <laughs> yeah, old washed-up Rondo, who's on a new team every year. Still angry. Somehow. Yeah, no, so I got the Lakers finishing fifth. I do have them winning 50. Just like last year, five teams in the West will win 50 games. Yeah. 
I've got the Nuggets as my number five. I'm winning. That's ah, I think they're winning forty eight. Um, yeah, not a big Denver fan, mostly because they're in the Jazz division. Yeah, nobody likes it. Um, but they did do pretty well last year. But I do think they take a step back. Yeah, but Jokic, Nikola Jokic Joker. is a legitimate MVP candidate. Oh, he could have it. He could have one of those seasons that just makes you go, like, what the heck, that guy? Oh, he but, is so good at passing. He's. A I watched them in the postseason passer. last year. I was like. This dude is seven feet and can pass like a point guard. It's insane. Mm-hmm. So but he could be a problem for the Jazz, but I still think they win only 48 games. So you had Denver five with 48 wins. I got Denver in six with 48 wins. So the same amount of wins, just one spot lower. Mm-hmm. I got the Lakers coming in sixth, um, 47 wins, just because I don't think I mean, I'm going to bring up the whole load management thing with LeBron and them, but... I think load management is a joke, but that's something we'll get into later. Okay, Stan Van Gundy. On a different podcast. <laughs> yes, Stan Van Gundy. Um, seven seed, I've got Portland. I got them taking a step back. Um, I just don't think they did a whole lot to improve, unless you count Hassan Whiteside as an improvement. And they signed CJ McCollum to a huge contract. Yeah, and I feel like that limit their potential in upcoming seasons because their whole salary cap is given to two players. And they are great. Um, yeah, they're, they're great. They're a great uh, backcourt combination, but they're not... They're not Western Conference contenders. No, I really don't way. think so. And they, I mean, they could have won that conference finals last year. They got swept, but they led three of those games by 17 points. Yeah. Like, they just couldn't finish. I don't think anything's going to change, really. Yep. So, yeah, I got them in seven, winning 48 games. I have them in seventh, too. Really, our lists are very similar. They really are. What the heck is that? Well, I'm just really good at picking, and you're just almost good. I mean, they're, like, the same, almost. Like, all we have is, like, Warriors-Jazz swapped and Lakers-Denver swapped. Yep. We both have the Blazers and the Spurs going seventh Yeah, I got the Spurs winning 45. They sneak in there. They'll make yep. the playoffs for, what, the 22nd year in a row? 23rd? I feel like so long as Popovich can breathe and hold a clipboard, he can get his first to the playoffs. playoffs. It doesn't matter who they have. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if they have nobody who can shoot threes and an inefficient DeMar DeRozan who chucks up mid-range jumpers. They're making the playoffs. What are you talking about? When DeMar DeRozan shoots, it goes in. I love DeMar DeRozan. He's amazing. Also, All what right. song is that from? I'm like DeRozan. When I, I shoot, shoot it, it, it goes, goes in. in. I Spy. Yeah, it's, on, it's off I Spy. Whoever sings that, I don't know. But Kylo. All right, who's your dark horse? My dark horse that could sneak in, Sacramento. They went 40-42 and 42 last year. They were in the playoff race, but they faded down the stretch. But they're young. They have a lot of potential. Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley. De'Aaron Fox. Uh, De'Aaron Fox. That guy is good. So yeah. I think if there's any team that can break through that top eight and spoil somebody's playoff bracket, it's definitely Sacramento. Because I think the bottom half of the West is really oh, it's is so, really bad. It's rancid. Yeah, Phoenix. I'm talking about you. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, my dark horse is New Orleans. I just don't know what to expect out of them. Right. But they, they do have some good players. Like Drew Holiday is like an all-defensive mm-hmm. guy and like a borderline all-star. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, you, I mean, Lonzo Ball. Brandon Ingram <laughs> is a pretty solid player when he's not hurt. Who knows what Lonzo is going to be with, you know, being out of the L.A. limelight. Mm-hmm. having literally every little thing that he does like under a microscope. Um, yeah. But you do wonder. It basically just depends. 
on how Zion does. Mm-hmm. Zion Williamson. If he's like the next LeBron and he just tears it up, you can see New Orleans making the playoffs. I mean, if the hype is real, you got to imagine he's going to be dropping 25, 26 points a game and all of those off of dunks. Yeah, long-time jazz man Derek Favors got to New Orleans, so. Yeah, maybe. Who maybe, knows? Maybe, maybe they do something. I don't think so, honestly. But I maybe. don't either, but. That's, I mean, what else are you going to pick? Dallas, Phoenix? Yeah, Dallas ain't going to do nothing. Phoenix ain't going to do nothing. I don't even think Sacramento's going to do anything. Who who else is even in the West? Oklahoma City. <laughs> Memphis. <laughs> oh, jeez. Memphis Oklahoma is City. too young. And, and Morant's a rookie. Bad. Oklahoma City has pretty much nothing that's really good except Steven Adams, and that's basically it because at this point, Chris Paul's well past his prime. And he's very upset. And he's very injured. Yeah. Yeah, so that's all I got. Yeah, so. so, I mean, there you go. So we think, and what do you think? Jazz winning the championship this year? No, like I said, they went fifty-four. They finished third. They win the Northwest Division. Um, wow, what an accomplishment! They would face Denver in the first round. I, I have them beating Denver, and then they would and meet then, up most likely with Houston in the semifinals. Yeah, TBD on that one. Yeah. I don't know. I actually feel like that's a closer series than it has been the last couple of years. I think it's Just because we've made improvements. I don't think it's going to be a four-game sweep or a five-game series like the last two seasons they've played the Rockets. Yeah, they're losing six. Yeah, I don't know. So they'll for sure finish third. They'll win 50-plus. I think they win the division. And I think, and I actually know, let's say they beat Denver. They'll get out of the first round, I do believe. Um, TBD on semifinal matchups. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I can. We'll have to see once we get a little further into the season. We'll mm-hmm. have like a updated predictions, and uh, then we'll yeah. look at it then. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, this has been Inside the Arc Podcast. Um, thank you for listening. If you want any more news, come to us, and we're going to have all the jazz updates for you. Yep. And this will be just the start of our podcast network. In just a little while, we'll have a few more podcasts up for you, but. For Mm -hmm. now, we're going with Inside the Arch and the Utah Jazz. So hopefully you enjoyed it, and hopefully you'll be back to listen then again. So thanks for your support. Catch you next time.